Now I want to read from Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6. which is page 1163 in the Church Bibles. And I'm going to be looking at verse 18. So I'm going to start from verse 18 read down to verse 20. So it's page 1163 in the Church Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying... At all times in the Spirit, with all prayer, or all kinds of prayer, and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." That last phrase, ambassador in chains, refers to the fact that the man who wrote this letter was in jail at the time when he wrote it. Uh, At any time, in danger of his life, uh, uh, of course, being in jail in Roman times. Um, But as we'll uh, we'll look at, uh, we'll see um, how this person who was in chains was actually truly free spiritually. But let's uh, just ask the Lord's uh, help now as we look into his word. Oh, Father in heaven, we come before you and ask you, Lord, that you will speak to us tonight uh, from this, uh, this verse. And Lord, we pray that you are going to grant that those who don't have faith will come to faith. And those of us who have faith will grow in our faith and uh, grow in our, our Christian lives through your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm actually looking just at at verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications. Here's a man who, as I've mentioned, is in chains. He's in chains because he's been spreading the message of Christ uh, in what today we'd call modern-day Turkey. And, uh, of course, he uh, uh, spread the message in Greece. He spread the message... In, uh, in Israel, in Jerusalem, in the Damascus, in Syria. Uh, he'd spent many years both being persecuted, beaten up, stoned, uh, put in jail. He spent quite a, few, quite a few years in jail by the time uh, he finally had his head chopped off um, uh, um, when he finally got to Rome. and been in Rome for a few years. He finally was executed. Um, The thing is, he knew that there was a battle going on, and that's why Ephesians chapter 6 is all about, he talks about putting on spiritual armor. And harking back to a talk many months ago, the reason why Christians need to wear spiritual armor is because there's a battle, a spiritual battle going on. There is a force of evil at work within this world. And we're not just talking merely about individual people who are psychopaths and murderers and, and, and so on that uh, you know, are destructive forces within themselves. People like Hitler who could, who could affect uh, m- millions of Germans and stir them up to a terrible war in which millions killed. Yeah, they're bad enough. But the Bible says behind all of the destructive forces of individuals there is this terrible force of evil which the Bible calls Satan. 
who has incredible spiritual power and has a, a host of other spiritual forces under his command. Uh, so that Paul actually says, we need to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mighty power, put on this full armor of God, because we're not in a battle against flesh and blood. We, verse 12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over the present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is this, uh, this uh, massive uh, opposition to the message of Christ. Now, we've seen over a few months the different elements of the spiritual armor. I just want uh, tonight just to look at this, this half of verse 18, it, which I, I, you know, I, I've uh, called the, uh, the talk from, from prison to praying. Now, those who are uh, old like me will remember about 50 years ago called from prison to prayer. And uh, it was all about the fact, that, and the man was making a very valid point, that Actually, if you learn to praise God in all circumstances, it is a transforming thing. And you may be in prison, but actually when you learn to praise God and thank God in all circumstances, prison becomes a cathedral of praise. We know that from, actually, that happened to Paul himself. Because when he was in prison in, uh, in Philippi, uh, he was able, in the middle of the night, though his, him and his, his friend were, were, had been whipped, they were injured, they were in pain, they were able to, to have, a, have a, a wonderful praise time at midnight, when in fact then, then there was a, a, a wonderful libera- liberation came at, 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 when they were praising God. But the thing is this, one thing I would have which I would say is, you know, I don't quite uh, um, agree with the book, because... The, that, that title, From Prison to Praise, doesn't really tell the whole story. Actually, it's from prison to praying as well. Because pray, praise is part of praying. Thanking God, loving God in, in worship and singing hymns like we've been doing. It's part of prayer. Now, did you know, by the way, that hymns are praying? That's what they are. You know, that hymns are written prayers which we sing and which often chime with our deepest feelings which helps us, help us to praise God. It's a form of prayer. And, uh, uh, and of course, it's true that it's transformatory. You know, it, it really changes us, transforms us when we praise the Lord. But it's also true about praying. Prayer is transforming. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter, but he wasn't bound by those prison bars. Uh, on one occasion, he says that, you know, the word of God is not in chains. And that's true. But equally well, the person who is a praying person, though he might be in a prison and behind bars, though she may be uh, be confined and unable to leave, uh, you know, the the place of the prison, actually, spiritually, prayer enables us to have the freedom of the children of God. Do you remember that, uh, well, you may not remember, but it says in the book of Revelations that the... uh, the Apostle John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now, he was in prison. He was actually in exile on an island doing forced labor in the mines and only had, you know, a bit of time off before going down the mines again. But on the Lord's day, on a Sunday, the heavens were opened and, and his, the prison cage around him of the island and the mines and all this stuff 
was completely forgotten because the heavens were open and he saw visions of God. He saw some wonderful things, marvelous, beautiful things, some also, some awesome, frightening things too. But he was not bound by his circumstances. And that's what, you know, that's the wonderful thing about uh, being, being uh, a person who is praying. Now, in our world today, in Britain today, you've got loads of people who never pray. Never been taught by their mums to pray when they were young. Uh, they Or perhaps they only pray when they're in trouble. And then they say, oh, you know, God help me. And they mean that, but that's as far as it goes. Because as soon as they're out of their problems, they then forget about God. Or... There are people that pray when they have to come to church or a funeral or a baptism or a wedding or something. Then they pray. When Paul is talking about praying in the spirit, this is something totally different from that. You see, the Bible makes it clear that if you wish to live with God, know God and, and be right with God, prayer is absolutely necessary. In Psalm 27... Um, the, uh, the writer of Psalm 27 says this, One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him or inquire of him or meditate in his temple. And later on in that same uh, psalm, he says, When you said, when God said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Now, that is what prayer, prayer is talking to God. It's seeking God and it's knowing God. And in fact, if you are you know, thinking about wanting to know God through Jesus Christ to become a believer, it starts with praying, of course, you, know, you listen to hymns, you can read books, you read the Bible, you find out what Christianity is about, but ultimately, you then take the step of actually talking to God, which is what pray, praying is. In Hebrews 4, 16, it says, Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Now, what does that tell you? It says this, don't fear God. Don't say, oh no, I can't talk to him personally. Maybe I'll get a priest to, to pray for me or someone else, but I can't know. The Bible tells us with confidence, draw near to this place which is surrounded by kindness and grace and love that you may have never known in all the world in any person. You might have seen a bit of grace, a bit of love in people, but here is the throne of grace, the place of infinite grace and kindness to whoever you are. And he goes on to say later on in the letter in Hebrews 10.22 let us draw near with true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Because here's, here's the second thing. Not only do we need to draw near but we need to actually be cleansed. There is a problem that we, that in prayer. The Bible says God cannot hear the prayers of people who are living in darkness. Who are cherishing selfishness in their heart. If you cherish iniquity, sinfulness, 
selfish, rebellion, pride, lust, bitterness, and so on. If that's being held on to you in your heart, God can't hear your prayers. And so when you come to God, you have to be prepared to say, Lord, I, I know that I, I've got wrong things in my life. Lord, I, I know I've made a mess. Lord, I know that I'm really, my soul is covered in massive amount of filth, Lord. But I come to you and I ask you that you might cleanse me by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that is the only thing that can cleanse our souls. It's the only thing, but it is the most wonderful thing. That's the, that's the incredible. The blood of Christ. When Jesus died 2,000 years ago, he set off a power at at, at, at uh, force in the universe that is unstoppable. You might say, oh, I've done too many things. I can't possibly... Oh! <laughs> if you actually then understand that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died to wipe away every sin from you. It stops, your, it stops the guilt. It stops the torrent of, of reservations. You suddenly realize God so loved the world. He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him, you, if you believe in him, will not perish, will not be covered in your, in your sins forever. But in the, the, the sins will be washed away. Your heart will be, be you know, your sins are as, as red as scarlet, as, as blood falling on the snow, so vivid and horrible. Uh, you know, when, when you see blood on, the, on, on snow. But though your sins are as red as scarlet, they shall be as white as the snow, if you trust in Christ. And so, draw near. With a, a sincere heart to God, you, you, you know that you know that there's plenty wrong with you, but at least you can come as an honest sinner and say, Lord, I, I know that I've done wrong, Lord, please forgive me. And then trust in him. It says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. Whoever would draw near to God must believe. Firstly, he exists. And secondly, that he is going to deal with you. You've got to trust that. You've got to trust that God can be trusted. <laughs> you know, uh, it isn't a hit or miss thing. Maybe God will help me out. No, it's not. Maybe. You've got to trust him that tonight he is going to hear your prayer and he's going to deal with you. And Jesus Christ will come into your life. Now, uh, that is the starting place in the Christian life, is to actually receive Christ. But here is um, where we can link up further with our passage. Because we not only receive Jesus Christ as our personal Saviour and Lord, we also receive the Spirit of God. And Paul says, um, in, uh, in uh, the, uh, the text we're looking at, praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, actually, the, uh, the translation we've got, the English Standard Version, um, puts this phrase at the beginning of the sen- uh, well, beginning of the, the, that um, set of sentences, set of phrases. Um, whereas in the actual Greek, it comes a bit later. It comes after with all prayer and supplication. But it is a logical place to start, which is to say that we have to pray in the Spirit. Now, what does it mean? Well. I tried to indicate in that passage that we read earlier about this amazing fact of the Spirit of God is everywhere. We, wherever we go, we, uh, we can never get away from the presence of the Spirit of God. That was, that was 
David's knowledge. I go to the uttermost part of the earth, you're there. Wherever I go, God, the Spirit of God is there. But actually, the, the, uh, the Bible goes beyond talking about just the Spirit of God being everywhere. Particularly it talks about the Spirit of God coming into the human spirit, coming into the human heart. Just as in the Old Testament, God chose to localize his presence in the, the, the tent in which, or the tabernacle, which the Israelites worshipped in the desert. He also localized his presence in the temple. God, who fills eternity, also uh, gave a, a visible representation, if you like, of uh, his eternity by appearing as a flame in the temple. Um, now, this little small flame wasn't God, but it was a representation of the fact that God was there and with them. Now, there is a heavenly flame that comes into our hearts when we trust in Christ. Can't see it, him, but the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. And the, the truth is that it is precisely because once you've trusted in Christ, and once Christ has come into your life, you also have this presence of the Holy Spirit that enables us to pray in the Spirit. It means that we can be on another level. As we are normally, um, we are cold and we're dry and we're inconsistent and we're, we don't really enjoy the presence of God. But when the Spirit is in our lives and when we're praying in the Spirit, we come fully alive. And we are able uh, to pray and praise and to seek God and to receive his blessings in our life. And so Paul says, pray in the Spirit, praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, here again is, the, is the, one of the transformatory things about uh, becoming a believer. I mentioned that the uh, average religious person in Britain, um, often their religion is a weekend only thing. Not trying to be horrible or critical, but unfortunately it's true. Often people uh, who are religious um, have a special day of the week in which they worship God, but the rest of the time they may have devoted a little time in the day, they might pray. But the Bible talks about continually praying, continually having a relationship with God, continually being, being in contact with Him. At all times, able to, to be talking to the living God, just as we talk to our friends. And when Paul uh, you know, speaks in the verse, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, all kinds of prayer, it's usually translated, all kinds of prayer. I've mentioned already hymns uh, and songs, they're kinds of prayers, but also confessing our sins, coming to the Lord and, and, and humbling ourselves. And admitting the wrong things in our life and asking for forgiveness. That's a kind of prayer. As indeed is what we might call a loving conversation with the Lord. Just like with a friend that we can have an intimate conversation, a loving conversation. So we can have that kind of relationship with God himself. Praising him, thanking him, uh, using uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, giving thanks to God in our heart. Then again, there's awe-filled worship. This intimate friendship that we have with God also goes hand in hand with an awareness that God is so great and so marvelous that also there's a sense in which it's awesome 
to, to pray to God. It is incredible that we who are so weak and so poor and so sinful can actually come into the presence of this great and marvelous infinite um, uh, being who is full of all power, all justice, all holiness. And we may actually, we may know him. Now, I think we see a lot of these different aspects of prayer in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. In uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus uh, taught his, that they asked Jesus, well, how do you pray? And he said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, or hallowed be your name. May your name be sanctified. Or the, the, who are we coming into the presence of? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. A loving a, a obedience to the Lord. A loving desire that his will should be done upon the earth. And instead of the earth being full of, of selfishness and cruelty and nastiness and evil, it should be filled with a kingdom of love and peace. That It should be a, the rule of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. And then give us this day our daily bread. An awareness of our dependence upon the Lord, thankfulness to him, and also uh, faith that he's going to supply what we need. See, the Christian is not interested in um, a, a, you know, being a billionaire. A Christian, a believer, should simply be interested in having what we need to live. Forgive us our debts, confession of sin, as we've forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, a prayer about protection. Now, I want to notice that all different kinds of prayers, different kind of prayers, um, can be used in our, in our Christian lives. Now, for instance, I call it instant messaging prayer. Um, in, old, in olden days, even up to a few years ago, you find people talking about ejaculatory prayers, meaning instant prayers, instant messaging. Well, you know, you send off an instant message to a, to a friend on WhatsApp or a or, a, or some other kind of uh, instant messaging service. It goes instantly and you usually get you know, a, a fairly rapid reply. Well, the Bible talks about that kind of prayer. Uh, Nehemiah uh, was a, uh, a great man of God in the Old Testament that faced a great challenge of trying to lead people back from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem. And he had to go to the Persian, the, the, the Persian emperor, Persian king. Uh, he was, he was the, one of the right-hand men of the Persian king kings but all the same this guy had the power of life and death and if he trod on this bloke's toes he could end up being killed and he wanted to present a request can I go back can I take a group of people back to Jerusalem and so on and we're told that he started talking to the king and then the king said well why are you so upset and at that point it says in, in Nehemiah he offered, he offered up an instant messaging prayer so it says in, in Nehemiah 2.4, king said to me, what are you requesting? Now in those few seconds, few seconds after the king said, well, what are you requesting? Nehemiah prayed to God quietly. Prayed for help. And then verse 5 tells us, I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. So the, the wonderful thing is God answers even instant messaging <laughs> when, we, when we pray to him in, 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 uh, in different situations. But this is the thing. All kinds of petitions, Paul tells us, we are to pray on all occasions with all kinds of petitions and prayers, all kinds of different ways of praying. 
But they've got to be according to God's will. For many people, uh, prayer is a superstition. It's like it's sort of oh yes, if I pray this, then I'll get an answer. Like I'm, you know, you're you're, you're talking, you know, it's like someone saying this is a magic spell. And if you say the magic spell, then the magic happens. No, that isn't what prayer is. Prayer is not a mechanical thing that you're automatically going to get what you ask for, no matter what it is you're asking for. Our prayers have to be prayed according to God's will. Nehemiah was actually on God's project. He was actually stirred up to do God's will in taking these people back to rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And therefore it was perfectly in order for him, it was according to God's will, for him to be praying quickly and instantly. And we learn in the Christian life as we read the Bible what is God's will. So for instance, we may pray for protection, we might pray for the progress of the gospel, we might be praying for those who are in prison for their faith. We might be praying for for church communities, that they'd be fruitful, that there'd be peace and love in those communities. All kinds of petitions we may pray, but they need to be according to God's will. And uh, the thing is, um, it, it says um, that pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, praying at all times, on all occasions, literally, all occasions. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, it talks about the different times, of seas- times and seasons that are under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time uh, to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. All the different occasions in our life, a time when we're, we're, we're pulling down buildings and a time we're using bricks to build a building casting away stones or gathering stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. There's all these different, pro, all these different stages in life, but at all times, on all occasions, we pray. Now, I finally want to look at this. Um, that In Ephesians, Paul has talked about that we need to stand against the wiles and the schemes of the devil. Now, one of the reasons why it is so important to uh, talk, Paul goes on to talk in the second half of the verse about to keep alert, keep alert, is because the devil wants to stop people praying. Jesus said that when the gospel is preached... Um, it's like someone going out to sow seed in a field. And the thing is, some seed falls uh, on the pathway, which is very hard ground, and the seed can't actually get beneath the surface. Some falls onto to ground in which, it, it, you know, there's a bit of earth and it could go down. Another goes into very good earth. And Now, the point is, the seed that, that falls on the hard ground, we're told that instantly the devil comes along, birds come along, and eat up the seed. It's what happens in, in nature. And Jesus says it's just the same in, 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 uh, in, in our lives. The word of God, we're thinking about it. But before we even start to pray, the devil comes along and takes away that seed that's, that's, uh, that's been sown in our heart. You know, we, uh, oh, I wonder what the football match was like tonight. Uh, oh, I, uh, 
oh, I better, I better uh, go home and do this, that and the other, or if someone phones up. And before we pray, it's taken away. We have to be alert and careful because when we want to pray, when we should be praying, we're going to be diverted from prayer. This applies all along the line, all along the way, way along the Christian life. Uh, there may be someone here listening online or in the church that's thinking, I, I really would like to, to know Christ. I, I'd like to know this forgiveness, the peace and the love. Well, look, you've got to understand that you need not only to start off in prayer, but you need to be alert because as you carry on trying to pray, there's always going to be spiritual forces that are going to try to stop you praying. It might be people might laugh at you, oh, you're going to church to pray. Or it might be um, uh, other things that may actually get in the way. Your TV set, your video games, whatever it is, which so crowded on your, on your mentality that you actually lose the desire to pray. On the night before he died, Jesus asked his disciples to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. Come with me, please. I, I, I need you. Come, come with me. We need to pray. And they came. And you know what they did? They came with him. But then they fell asleep. While Jesus was going through an agony, we're told, because he knew he was about to die for the sins of the world, his friends, his disciples, fell asleep. I mean, that's a picture of what many of us are like. Well, I've been like in much of my, my own Christian life. The Lord wants us to be prayerful and, oh, we're asleep. We've got other better things to do. If you want to, you know, come to know Jesus and follow him, you need to, to understand your life is to be a life of prayer. And that includes praying not just um, uh, solo, just as, a sing, uh, just as a person praying between you and God, but also praying with other people. The, the prayer meeting in a church is absolutely vital. When the church comes together and Christians pray together. Now, you can attend, of course, prayer meetings on Zoom, you know, in our church. So you don't have to actually come to, come to actually be in the church. And, and praying on, on a, a Zoom meeting on, online is, of course, just as valid to God if, you are, if you're coming in faith reverently and seeking the Lord. But we need to see the importance of, of those kinds of prayer. Because when Paul is talking about all kinds of prayer, he is talking also about uh, social times of prayer. Family prayers. When, we're, when we gather our, our husband and wife or children and, or the whole family to, together to, to pray for a few minutes each day. It's talking about our praying before we go to sleep at night and, and when we wake up in the morning. All different ways in which the Lord wishes to bless our life and channel his, his power into our lives is through all these different methods and modes of praying. So may the Lord uh, help us uh, to really uh, take these words um, to our hearts. Praying at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication. To this end, keep alert with all perseverance.